You're listening to the Gimme Five Podcast, episode 162, side Sans A. Jimmy. This is the Gimme Five Podcast, a semi-entertaining show about a bunch of random stuff. Completely random right now. We're going to talk about a bunch of random... All right, Porgy. ...killer movies and stuff. <laughs> anyway, does that make you best? Not, not Porgy. Porgy. Porgy Pig. Oh, there you go. There you go. Jesus, did I really have to explain that reference? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, it sounded no, like you said that porgy. is not what I said. Especially uh, well. with you stuttering the intro like that. Yes. Anyway, we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff, books and movies and Florida and a bunch of other random crap that caught our eye this week. And uh, my name is Incestuous Grandpa. I don't know why I gave myself that name, but I am joined oh by a Nazi God. elf. Yes. In case you were wondering where those names came from, that is it from our side B episode, which we uh, will be releasing Monday. About a lovely Christmas film yeah, called don't, Elves. Don't get offended by the word Nazi. And I, or incestuous. Or, incest, or incestuous. Or, or grandpa. grandpa. Yeah. It's from a, a movie called Elves, which you guys can watch for free. It's that good on YouTube. It is easily the best movie ever made about Nazi elves that's free on YouTube. Also, uh, the that worst. Is, I was going to say only. that's entirely possibly true. So this week, we're going to talk about some stuff. We're going to talk about Deceased, which is a graphic novel slash comic book uh, that is Deceased DC, like the two letters and the comic book company, mm -hmm. Deceased. Look at that right there. Isn't it? See that cover? With a zombie Batman, kind of zombie. Um, got a chance to read that. It's been out for oh, about a year or so, but got a chance to read it. We are going to also talk about Total Fucking Godhead, which is a book about Chris Cornell of Soundgarden fame mm -hmm. and Audio Slave fame and Temple of the Dog fame. Uh, really interesting book, and I want to chat about that. And we're going to uh, get started on our anal Christmas horror flicks. Oh, that's annual. Or I did. Except you left the U out. So it's A, it's A-N-N. -N. I, I intentionally left Christmas the U out film. just so you would say anal Christmas horror. Excellent. Slay bells. So, guys, bells. this is a review show. We're going to spoil some shit. We'll try to avoid any major twists. But if we are talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to that you think you might want to, don't say we didn't warn you. We didn't warn you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to immediately jump right in here with the spoiler conversation some shit? because last week we find last mm -hmm. week we finally talked about the mandalorian because there was a huge episode with <laughs> ahsoka so again mandalorian people if you are behind go away okay those people are gone now what the hell's wrong with them how could they possibly be behind what else are they doing we had a huge 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 episode 
Now, if you'll remember, Rob, I remember well, Rob. You know this because I've talked about it. We, I have, you do. I know quite a few people that have, you know, former students and mm-hmm. uh, graduates from the school I work at that have gone on to work for Lucasfilm and or work in the industry, and they were buzzing. They're very good about spoilers because they all had to deal with it. They were buzzing about this episode, so I didn't get a chance to watch it until Saturday afternoon, night. Um, And everyone was talking about how great it was, and I was, you know, that of course, you kind of get, can figure out what people are talking about. Uh, So what did you think about this episode? What did you think about some of the reveals and some of the goings-on in the most recent episode of The Mandalorian? Because I want to know what you felt about uh, Mr. Boba Fett. I'm uh I'm super excited that we're gonna get one that Ming-Na Wen is back because I did like Ming-Na Wen. I'm not sure how I feel about her being like a cyborg robot now, but um, I'm cyborg Tommy. I wonder if she can like know. eat anything now. But I'm excited that she's back. I'm glad that Boba Fett is back, and he went and, he went and got his armor and started kicking ass. I was like, yeah. Um. So I think we're we're probably going to end up with both of them. We're going to end up with like a Mando team here for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Mandalorians. Mandalorians. And there. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought I thought that the the why are you confused? <laughs> you seem very confused. No. Is there something weird going on on your end? No. Oh. Okay. Why? Because your like eyes are all big. What? What did you say? I said that's not the only thing that's big. No, I'm uncomfortable. So, yeah, I was actually surprised about Migna Wen's uh, like sniper, bounty hunter type character coming oh, back. But you knew she wasn't dead. I was uh, just, I was just wondering when they were going to break her back. I like yeah, because well, well, I think well, they, they showed they, her show, they showed somebody come up to her, which her. obviously now we know was Boba Fett, but. Yeah, but at the end of the episode yeah. where she got shot or whatever, somebody came and picked her up. Yeah, now she, Boba Fett, proved to be a complete badass. Now, that does pose a few questions, just me being picky here. Like, did he not know that the marshal had his armor? Because it was very clear that he could have gotten it back anytime he wanted. I mean, he took on an entire platoon of stormtroopers mm-hmm. with a stick, basically. And Man, those those sticks from the sand people, man, they were just blowing up stormtrooper helmets left and right. It was some violent, violent hits. I thought that was great. I loved I, I like Tamora Morrison, and I like him even more now, because I read an mm-hmm. article with like an interview with him today. And he said that he went in for he had got a call from mm-hmm. Filoni and Favreau. And he's and who I think last week we decided, you know, I think we talked about this briefly that they should have been in control mm-hmm. of this stuff all along. Yeah. Um, including the three movies that just passed. But we, uh, they got a call. He got a call from them and he didn't know much about the Mandalorian, what they had planned and all that stuff. And he was on the way to talk to like for another, uh, not job interview, but uh, uh, mm-hmm. cast reading or something. And he got so excited to get invited back into the Star Wars universe as something other than a voice actor 
that he said he arrived to the ne- that next interview like two hours early, like to the Star Wars interview, and was just raring to go. Just his excitement mm-hmm. and his love for the character, and he's played technically a ton of characters. He's probably played more characters than anyone in Star Wars because he played like a million clones, <laughs> as well as Boba Fett and. I guess technically not young Boba Fett and Django Fett. So he was really excited to get the call and just the interview. He it was in, he just had an infectious mm-hmm. attitude, and he also had the attitude of like, look, I know the way Hollywood works. I'm older. They always want to go with the younger, new, big actor. So I wasn't going to be pissed off if they recast me, but I was thrilled that they didn't. And this is showing to me that that they're basically allowing Favreau and Filoni to do whatever they think is the creatively best option. my God, they've made option. some really good decisions. Yeah. And I think we could have probably said that, you know, a year ago when they hid the fact that there was a baby Yoda and basically missed the entire Christmas They're making up for it this year, year though for selling toys. There is there is baby Yoda oh, yeah. toys everywhere and they've started coming out with all kinds of new shit just for the holidays. Mhm. Baby Yoda pajamas and all slippers which are currently in my house. Ones. Baby Yoda stuff. Yep. Uh little toys, ba- baby Yoda butt plug. That was that one's yeah, a weird you one. You bought seven of them, didn't you? It comes with the Well, some of them have the little silver ball attachment and some of them have the little vibrating frog legs. <laughs> <laughs> so I can picture it sticking out your butt wiggling like it's stuck. Help me! Help me! <laughs> what? Ribbit. <laughs> Ribbit. I would I would prove I would like to you to stop picturing anything coming out of my butt for the next uh portion of this episode. Anyway, there's a couple other things that happened. He's He's laughing. He's making frog legs. Uh, like it's kicking and trying to swim. <laughs> Check out the Gimme Five podcast store to get your <laughs> your baby Yoda, Yoda frog leg butt, butt plug. <laughs> yes. Okay. A couple other things. Speaking of baby Yoda, he go bye bye. He was kidnapped by the empire and he has a dark side that he uh you know has revealed as he beats up some stormtroopers which i thought was interesting uh and of course for me the big one the blowing up of the razor Mm -hmm. crest which this episode was uh directed by was it robert rodriguez i think uh, and he is known for the exploding vehicle as the person walks away from it shot. She did in, like, uh, not Machete, uh, ben, the Antonio Banderas movie, which I can't remember the name right now. Um, and he's done, he's done it in a bunch of movies, uh, including Spy Kids. We'll go with that. Uh, and, of course, the Razor Crest gets blown up. Now, this is actually another point where you can say that Disney is letting them do whatever they want, because this is the toy-buying season and usually, as we learned from a, an interview that we did a while ago, as soon as a vehicle gets destroyed, a lot of times the um, sales for or a character gets killed, the sales for that vehicle and or character go down. And they blew up the Razor Crest while Lego is trying to sell a $130 Lego set. 
And I mean, technically the Hasbro thing is already closed out, but Hasbro, of course, was selling a very expensive Razorcrest set as well. And now I don't even have to put it together and it's accurate. <laughs> just you just throw it on the floor and have it be a pile of Legos. I can just dump. Yeah, I can just dump out the box and be like, done. Yeah. So very interesting and uh, very excited about the, the stuff in the Mandalorian and seeing it's, I think the season's going to be over soon, which makes me sad. Uh, any news for you before we have a, an actual, we have a discussion mm. about some other things. No, I got, let's get right into the discussion. Okay. Oh God. Movie boy. <laughs> uh, last week we mm-hmm. recorded on Wednesday and we were going to record on Thursday, but we didn't get a chance because we were both like tired and old and shit. And news came out that Warner Brothers is going to do releases uh, same day and date in the theaters and on see, HBO. I did Max. see a couple of those. Yes. So it was uh, they announced it Thursday. Uh, all of their movies slated for release in 2021 are going to be available to stream on for HBO on HBO Max for one month only. So. That includes uh, just the movies that were slated are Wonder Woman 1984, Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, animated Tom and Jerry movie, uh, In the Heights, which is like a musical, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Did that start LeBron? Uh, Suicide Squad. Maybe. I think so. LeBron. You're never going to be Michael. Suicide Squad. I like LeBron better. Actually, I like them both. I didn't. I didn't pay attention to basketball. Yeah, but then. if you could have one of them in, the in their era. prime, who would you take? I would take I'd Jordan every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Anyway, uh, Dune, Matrix Four, and uh, Reminiscence and Malignant, which I'm not sure what those are, but they sound uh, either like awesome horror movies or like some sort of drama. But anyway, those Did would be you the see Matrix Four. What? That's due out soon. Yes. In 2021. Yeah, those are all the movies expected mm-hmm. in 2021 from Warner Brothers. Um. So of course, so here's just some of the some people from, you know, media. This is a media research firm. A guy named Rich Greenfield. Uh, it's a major media research firm. Said, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find where he, his quote begins. This is a huge win for consumer choice. Uh, they basically, Warner Brothers did something that Netflix has been trying to accomplish unsuccessfully for years. Um, legacy, legacy media has always tried to dictate how you consume their content. Now the consumer is in more control. You, know, you can decide whether to go to movie theater or not. Uh, unfortunately, movie theater stock prices went down significantly. AMC dropped 15%. Cinemark da- dropped 14.5%. Uh, Christopher Nolan wasn't super thrilled about this either, but it was, he was actually, his quote was a little bit interesting because he wasn't mad so much at the situation. He was a little more mad that they never came to the filmmakers to discuss any of this stuff. Cause like the problem is the contract is their contracts are based on the back mm-hmm. end of, of like, so, and there's nothing about if you, you know, if you cut out. So if you're like, okay, I'm going to make 10% of the back end. I'm going to uh, take less money up front. 
but now you're saying that you know seventy five percent of the people are just going to watch it at home. You so I would make I would money. argue that you would still be entitled to that unless it specifically says movie ticket sales because if you're making it's that's that's what it did because they they had to very quickly run, before they could even announce this they had to make big deals with uh, Patty mm-hmm. the, the director of Wonder Woman and uh, Patty Jenkins and Gail Gadot. Uh, they in, they raised up their their starting point in the contract by ten million dollars each to, to cut out you know what's the proposed thing. So uh, he was also basically saying that um, uh, Christopher Nolan from you know who did the Batman movies and did uh, Inception and Tenet, so he's already had to deal with this. Uh, he really said that you know uh, HBO Max, which is kind of terrible. They, so they basically are putting all these movies on this bad streaming service to make it mm-hmm. to try to make it less bad. Like, I don't know what HBO Max mm-hmm. is because there was HBO Go, right? And now there's HBO Max and HBO Go went away. So is it the same thing that went away? Well, I have HBO in general, and I can't. My streaming systems can't get HBO Max. They're a couple years old, so they don't have whatever okay. system to do it. So. My HBO Max is me hoping that they have whatever movie I want to watch on my, like, DirecTV HBO Go thing. Or my DirecTV, you know, uh, on-demand stuff. So, it is a little bit weird that there's a lot of people that are not going to have access to some of these movies if they can't figure out how to get Max to work. And I'm... Like, we we watched something not too long ago. I forget what it was, but... You guys, I watched it after you guys, and I couldn't get it because of it was like an HBO Max thing or something. And I think you guys maybe saw it in the theater. I don't know. It was something that I had to watch for the show, and I couldn't get to it. So, um, you being a theater person, if you had an option, and all those movies that I listed are movies I would absolutely see it in the theater. Well, Tom and Jerry with my kid. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, Matrix 4, and Suicide Squad would absolutely be something, and Dune would be totally things I'd see in the theater. Uh, what is your feeling about this if all of the this, this studios go this route? Do you think it's going to ruin um, the theater experience? Do you think the theater experience is going to be more of a premium honestly, thing? What do you think? If if more studio, because I was actually thinking about this the other day, if if more studios go this route, but they make it a more feasible option i.e not using shitty services like hbo max like if they were to put this out on amazon and make it available on amazon Mm -hmm. pretty much everybody has access to amazon it's not one of those things where you know whatever i mean everybody can get access to amazon so if they put it on a service that's available to a majority of people i honestly think theaters will go out of business because I think people will stop going to the theater and the theater's overhead will, will end up killing them. And I, I would be very disheartened to see that because I like going to the theater. Um, I think you'll see less, maybe not all theaters will go out of business. I think like the dollar theaters and the budget theaters will, will still make it because of their niche. But those, those theaters that rely on the big budget blockbusters, the, the ones that drive a lot of traffic into the theater and generate a lot of revenue, 
and get people in the seat so they get so that they can sell their ten dollar box of candy. Um, I I honestly think people will stop going, and those theaters will come on some very high times, and there'll be a lot of cuts, and you'll see a lot fewer movie theaters everywhere. I'm torn because the there's only so many more things, so many more gimmicks that theaters can do. You know, we've got it started off with big IMAX screens, and then there was 3D and IMAX, and then there was they had the seats that shook and the smoke and the smells, and you know they, and it's not really a gimmick, but like the eating a dinner at the theater and the uh-huh. the, the lounge chairs and stuff like that. So it's not like the theaters aren't trying. But there are times, like I, I went, even before pandemic, let's, we're talking before pandemic, I went to the theater less, mm-hmm. partially because I had a kid, but partially because I saved those moments for big budget action movies and kids movies because my kid liked going. I saw less comedies, that's, less that's dramas. That's fair enough. I, I was more but, selective about the movies that I went to see, but I still... It, my theater going experience depended entirely on the movie release schedule. If there was a movie that I wanted to see, I would absolutely go see it in the theater. But that's also partly because I have an extra day off a week. Um, I don't work five days a week and I can go to the movie in the middle of a day on a weekday and not have it be elbow to elbow, um, you know, me telling people to shut up when they're on their phone during the friggin' movie. Yeah, that was that was one of the things. It's like the the rude people that couldn't stop talking, couldn't stop texting, couldn't. You know, the person that brought in a thing okay. like a container of Thai food. I mean, I absolutely me. loved going to the movies in the middle of the weekday, in the middle of the day on a weekday, mm. and it was it was a great experience. I would. There are very few movies that I will go opening night on anymore. I I won't brave the crowds yeah. for anything because it's not worth it. Well, you were able to completely masturbate during an episode I was. during the Minions movie. I was. No Without problem. anyone seeing you and you got not getting I made a mess and nobody yeah, said shit. So there was, was no one else. Yeah, there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one person caught you. He just said, banana. And then he said, banana. <laughs> Oh, the hand gesture. I didn't need that. Uh, Sometimes the camera is the bane of my existence there. (laughs) Uh, So it's, it is an interesting thing. Yeah. You know, just, you kind of mentioned it. I think one of the other things, like one of the big deal for me was seeing movies that I owned on -hmm. the big screen again, you know, like be like going to the Enzian and seeing like, well, I already own Terminator two, but let's, I miss seeing it in the theater. Like there is a weird, joy about that and I, I was quicker to rush I mean, out to those type have of you, movies have you been, than have I you was been looking to, to see what's been playing movies. because a lot of theaters have been running old movies to try and fill the seats yeah like uh, I know mm-hmm. Jimmy saw Akira I stopped by and I stopped by the theater uh, like just that. this past weekend I think just to see what was playing and I was surprised there was a there was it was probably three or four older movies on the on the placard or the digital board or whatever the hell you want to call it. The marquee. We'll call it the marquee. Hmm. Nice. Well, I did buy a giant pro- a projector and a projector screen, so I'm going to start and a giant theater in the backyard. Well, yeah. That's the... <laughs> Stop with the legs. No, no, no. <laughs> no, just no. Okay. 
So that was that conversation. Let's move on. You have... Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with nice. I was going to think naughty or nice for the for the Florida thing, but nice is a little faster. Last week you were nice. You picked a, a good heartwarming story about mm-hmm. the triathlete. I'm going to talk about a young man. WTF, baby. Welcome to yep. Florida. Welcome to Florida. I am, in fact, not going to talk about the guy who, the Naked Silver Springs man that was arrested for the fourth time for battery in 2020, and he was arrested while being naked, and he urinated on himself during the arrest. I'm not going to talk about that. Not going to talk about Mr. Austin Cameron Meyer. So just be aware. No. But I am going to talk about, if I can get to it, uh, Mr. David Oren Humphlet, 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, he is from, he's 21 years old. He is from Gainesville, Florida. And you know what he likes to do? What does he like to do, Greg? He likes to, he likes to make videos of wild snakes biting him for educational purposes. So he goes out into the woods, sure swamps, whatever. Eh. Uh, he's he does not look at all like you'd expect him to look. Actually, he's like this like blonde like teenager kid. He's just like blonde guy. Uh, and he will go and grab various snakes and let them bite him. And then he has a one to ten scale of if the bite hurts or not. And he does it because he wants to show that you know snake bites aren't really that painful. But what's funny is the article is only three paragraphs long, and it says. A daring herpetologist has made a video series on Instagram out of letting wild snakes snakes bite him. Okay, so they've referred to him as a herpetologist. But the last sentence says, For the majority of the bites I take, especially the snake bites, they're not really that painful. Says Humphlet, a delivery driver from Gainesville, Florida. So are you a herpetologist or are you a delivery driver? Are you Maybe he's delivering snakes. I don't know. Maybe he's delivering herpets. Herpes. He's a herpes. <laughs> yes, herpes. Yeah. So herpetologist, of course, is a study of reptiles. He actually, um, I did watch a couple of his videos. One, he had a, a little snake bite. He was saying, oh, let him." It's funny because he was like, he let it bite his arm, but as he went and grabbed the snake, the thing like lunged at him uh-huh. and bit him on the on the face. So it's like, it, so he's like, "Ah, oh, it doesn't hurt all that much." He can't even break the skin, and meanwhile, his lip was like literally like bleeding. He had like blood on his nose when he was talking about it, it was just a little, it was just a little snake. And then he let oh, like a giant iguana bite him. And, and like the iguanas there, I think one, their mouths are like riddled with salmonella. So that's bad Two, I think they're the ones that they're, when their teeth like get mm-hmm. into you, they're like serrated and they're not, they're the mm-hmm. types that don't really come out easily. Like you have to like pry it off. So he, this, the thing bit him and then like slithered off into a lake and as the video cut, he was like, yeah, that's going to need stitches. <laughs> Dumbass. Like, yeah, so you are our Florida Man of the Week, teaching us that snakes, bites don't really hurt. I'm still not going to let myself get bitten by a snake. Intentionally. Not anyway. happening. Yeah, that's not happening. Okay. I, it is, of course... The winter. We're going to go into our regular topics here. It is the winter, which means it is flannel season. I'm waving a flannel shirt. 
the official flag of Greg, of House Greg, is flannel. And I am ready to go, and I've been listening to a lot of grunge because, you know, I really have, my style really has not changed since Yeah, uh, you're from the 92. 90s. Yeah, I am a child of the 90s, which is funny because we always joke about the 80s, but I am, my musical tastes are very firmly set in the 90s, which sucks because if you really look at it, there's not that many albums that fit in that, in that little genre there. Uh, Pearl Jam, obviously my band. Alice in Chains would probably be number two. And then Soundgarden and Nirvana, uh, they are number three and four, but they were, uh, the, both those bands were kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, I like the hits, but that's about it. So it's weird because there are some famous albums that I've never heard the rest of. Cause like, you know, the song Black Hole Song, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And like, and you, but like, I didn't, I knew some, I knew like Blow Up the Outside World or, and, uh, My Wave. And I didn't know a lot of other Soundgarden songs, what I'm saying. So anyway, I got the book Total Fucking Godhead because it is the biography of Chris Cornell of Soundgarden fame. It is. It was released actually in July, uh, July 28th, written by Corbin Reef, and is the biography, like I said, of Chris Cornell. Um, when you first start the book, it, it, said, it gave me some worry. This is my initial thought here. It gave me some worry because when uh, the, the author does a little foreword, and he says, I remember feeling pissed off. This is his words, not mine. That there's a myriad of books about grunge, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, but nothing about Chris Cornell and only one about Soundgarden, which was woefully out of date. And it seemed like a miscarriage of musical justice. And he didn't really realize that he would be the one that ends up writing the book. So he decided to start doing research and maybe write this book. And right around that time, this is after Chris Cornell died, which is, we'll get to momentarily. Uh, there was a bunch of legal issues involving his death and involving rights to his music and his catalog and the management of the band and all that stuff. So all these people that were ready to do interviews decided to not do interviews. So he had, he had planned these interviews for months in advance and then he had to reschedule them and then they canceled uh, people that had been talking to him as a, you know, not a friend, but friendly decided just to stop talking. He's like, I'm just writing a book and it's not like, there's really not that much scandalous stuff about this band. So it's, I mean, there, they, there was a drug situation, but it wasn't like them destroying stuff or anything that you would assume. So I'm going through this book. It is, it has actually taught me a lot of stuff. And one, the one thing I've realized that it kind of put the final pieces together in this big puzzle of like Mm -hmm. what was going on in the Seattle scene back then. Cause like you weren't, you didn't really follow this very well, but you know, there was 80s metal, Poison, Motley Crue, all this crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. I was There's all this 80s crazy, <laughs> you know, hair hair metal. They're very good. They're good, actually. Yeah. Still good, actually. Uh, so they, uh, there was all this, you know, crazy hair metal stuff, and then Nirvana came in immediately. Boom. Done. Maybe a one-two punch with Beavis and Butthead making fun mm-hmm. of, like, Winger at the same time. And then... Everyone needed a Seattle band on their label. Pearl Jam took off top of the charts. Nirvana was at the top of the charts. Soundgarden was at the top of the charts a couple, like a year and a half later. But And Alice in Chains, of course, blew up around the same time. Actually, Alice in Chains was kind of right around the same time as Nirvana. But um, but I always wondered, like, these bands are, were just doing stuff in their garage. How did so much stuff happen? There was a movie that came out, like the movie Singles came out, like right 
after these bands became big. And it's like, I know it would have taken longer to green light a movie and shoot the movie and write it and do all this stuff. So it turned out that all these people were just doing this stuff and it just broke right around the same time. So like the, the movie singles, for example, had been made nine months before mm-hmm. any like Nirvana broke and the movie studio just refused to release it. Like, well, we don't, you know, you had a decent hit. It was, uh, uh, Oh, shoot. The guy that did Jerry Maguire. Uh, Tom Cruise. I don't believe I'm screwing his name. No, the director. He did Jerry Maguire, and he did Almost Famous. But either way, he didn't say anything first. And he filmed that in Seattle. He loved the area. And then decided to uh, decided to uh, film singles up there. And the studio's like, we really don't have a hook here. It's this like movie about the Seattle music scene. Who cares? And then everyone did care. And they're like, shit, we got to release this. So this book actually kind of filled in all those blanks as to like why it seemed like there was so much stuff that was able to come out early because a lot of the stuff had been recorded and canned like years before, which I actually did not know. Um, the, the catalyst for all of this stuff was a guy named Andrew Wood who died and he was, he was Chris Cornell's roommate. And he was the singer of Mother Love Bone, which a lot of people know this. I'm guessing you don't unless you paid too much attention to me. Uh, he was, so he was the roommate of Chris Cornell and he was the lead singer of a band named Mother Love Bone. After he died, Mother Love Bone broke up, of course. And they were just about to get a, sign a record deal and whatever. And the guitarist and bass player of this band decided to start playing. And they found this uh, security guard from San, from San Diego who came up to visit them in Seattle and was singing with them and they ended up becoming Pearl Jam. Chris Cornell, who of course the lead singer of uh, Soundgarden, he was, he was the most friendly of them and he was kind of friends with everybody. So he took this lead singer around. You were shining a light at me. He was, he was taking this lead singer around and introducing him to people and brought them, brought him into the studio. I don't, Nope. Uh, and he brought them into the studio and was like uh, sitting there and he was, he was trying to sing this part of a song and he was singing the high parts and the low parts. Well, the lead singer is like of uh, this new guy, Eddie Vedder, was like kind of shy, but he's like, let me try the deep part. And it ended up becoming the song Hunger Strike, which I'm sure you know, because it was a huge hit. Um, but so they put that on an album and then they shelved it. So when Pearl Jam became huge and Soundgarden became huge, they're like, oh, there's a band. Here's a band called Temple of the Dog. That's Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. Let's release this thing a year later. So it's just, and this book really kind of covers all of mm-hmm. that stuff and stuff I didn't actually know. And it really, because it always confused me as to how in one year, just a bunch of like garage bands became massive and had so much stuff around them. And it's because it was just, they were just waiting. Um, Chris Cornell did commit suicide in... And I'm saying that weird on purpose. Uh, in 2017, it's a very weird version. It's a very weird suicide because he had had a show that night in Detroit. He's there was another one. I think the next day he's like, "See you then." He was jovial. He was he was in his and I I don't think it was a murder. I think it was a honestly I think it was a bad interaction between drugs, possibly, and a inkling of an idea that became real freaking serious. Uh, he 
called up and said that his his TV in his hotel room wasn't working at like eleven twenty three. They, I think they, I don't know the exact story, but I think they went up there and his door was locked, like from the inside. No one, no one did anything bad. Like the the security thing was done. So they were like, okay, that's weird. So then Chris Cornell's security guard kicked in the door and they fa- found out that he had hung himself on some uh, elastic uh, workout bands in the in the bathroom. It was it was the way it was jury rigged. It was definitely mm-hmm. not a mistake, but. It was very weird because there was no letter, no note. He just, you know, he was waiting on someone to come up. There's His band had just gotten together and signed. Uh, Soundgarden got back together. They were on tour. So it was really sad. I, I haven't hit that part of the book yet, but it was really out of nowhere. I remember waking up and with all of, like, the music pages I followed, that was my whole phone. The whole front was like, Chris Cornell, Chris Cornell, Chris Cornell. I was like, oh, shit. Because that means that there's none of, only one lead singer left out of all the nineties bands, the guy from stone double pilots is gone. The guy from Alice in Chains, Nirvana, obviously it's sad. Don't do drugs. Just say no. Don't do drugs. No, no drugs. Yep. So either way, if you guys, and I'm the book celebrates it. It's not the thing I like about the book a lot. If you want to, if you would, the thing I don't like about the book is the fact that everyone's gone. The thing I like about it is it's not a slow march to his death. It's not every chapter isn't like this happened, but that's, you know, this could have been a reason why maybe later on. He, it's not that it's all celebrating his life, celebrating his music, celebrating his family. And that part I really, really like. So it's a good book. It's great on and the audiobooks really good, too, which is what I'm doing. So total fucking Godhead. You should like, like, listen to that or something. Oh, not you. If you like music, you should do that. Okay. Tell me about Jingle Bells. B-E-L-L-E-S. Um, I would, but I did not watch that movie. Uh, what the movie you? I watched Slay Bells. was you read Slay Bells. Slay Bells. You watch... Okay. You tell me about that one, too, then. Well, I, I was f- flipping through the channels, looking at stuff... Uh, for our Christmas episodes, because everybody who listens to the podcast knows that we love our Christmas horror. Hell, we made Jimmy watch a whole bunch of shitty Krampus movies <laughs> just for fun. I'm pretty sure he scheduled his wedding. Just so that he wouldn't time. have to watch any more shitty Krampus movies. Well, yeah. That's why for his wedding, I'm getting a box set of shitty I, I came across a bunch of christmas horror movies and one of the ones listed was sleigh bells and i i figured you know what i'll give it a shot so the movie was released in december on december 4th of 2018 it's directed by dan walker and it does star barry bostwick christina clevy susan slaughter hannah minx diane salinger and also has an appearance by richard mall that's right bull from night court Mm-hmm. Also stars Stephen Ford and Joel Ezra Hebner. The synopsis is, you're going to love this, it's Christmas Eve and three cosplaying women come across the malevolent Christmas demon Krampus. <laughs> the girls must team up with Santa Claus himself to battle the creature and save the world. So tell me, is this the best movie ever made? 
Because it sounds like it. It is. It is not. It, it is. It is not the best movie ever made. So my my thoughts on this movie was. First off, sure, this movie isn't as bad as some of the movies that we've watched. The the acting is better. The film quality is better. The makeup is better. The special effects are better. But all that said, doesn't mean that it's a good movie. Yeah, there's three girls. Yeah, there's the expected nudity. Yes, there's a scene where Krampus gets a boner, and it's kind of fucking funny. So there, there are definitely some funny scenes, but but all in all, it, it, it just kind of, it's just not quite there. They do have an interesting an interesting plot line in that Santa Claus and Krampus are basically the yin and yang of Christmas. So they're linked, they're connected. So the only way to kill Krampus is to kill Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Don't worry. You didn't want to watch this movie anyway. I do. You totally should. Because I'll be honest with you, the, the special effects on the Krampus weren't really that bad. The, I mean, the dude was wearing, like, a full-body suit. He had, like, full-body makeup and shit on. He had a, a, a mask that didn't really move. But, I mean, it was very well designed. It, it, I, I, they did a good job as, as far as when you consider, you know, what, what kind of movie this was. I mean, it's, it's essentially a C movie. <laughs> but all things what do you mean yeah, by all, what all kind things of considered? I mean, they did a decent job with things like the special effects and whatnot. And like I said, there were some, there were definitely some funny parts in the movie, but it, it's it's one of those movies where the the some of the parts was greater than the whole. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, that's a shame. You would like that at least one of these Christmas movies other than Krampus. Oh, I, I've decided I'm going to add one each week because I'm gonna I'm gonna roll through a bunch of them. That they're all destined to be shitty, but I, I'm gonna. They are. You're gonna. I heard that one of them is actually Which good. One? The one you mentioned the other day, uh, now, Rare Imports. Jimmy says that we watched supposed to be good. it. I che- okay. I looked. I did not see. Maybe it we did. talked about it and just never did. I I'm gonna watch that and check that know. out and see. But yeah, I'll try to watch that one too. It that one's gotten actually very. But I do believe. Reviews. Next week we will most likely talk very about possibly, but I think our our um, main feature next week is going to be a crappy horror Christmas movie, and it's not from the '80s, but it is going to be a crappy horror Christmas movie. Year and I hate you. Love it. What what am I known for recently? You're gonna get a Sharks. crappy horror Christmas shark movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I think we should. Are we moving on here? Tell tell me a little bit about okay, this. Scene. So I'm gonna do another. I'm gonna do another book here. This is deceased. It is a graphic novel that was actually released of November 26 of 2019 in hardcover. It was written by Tom Taylor, who's a, a really good writer who I've liked a lot of his work in the past. Uh, art by Trevor Hersine and Stefano Guadino and a bunch of other people. Uh, quick synopsis here. 
The end is here. 600 million people, that's how many fall victim when a mysterious techno-organic virus is released on Earth, or unleashed on Earth. 600 million infected, 600 million turned into mindless, rampaging killers uh, bent on death. Well, there's a lot of spelling errors for something that I pulled off the official site. Bent on death and destruction, and that's just the beginning. Okay, so deceased is a clever pun. Unleashed. Yeah, unleashed and bend on death and destruction. Uh, deceased, it is a clever pun. DC in capital E A S E D. There's have been multiple series since when it first came out. I knew about it and I didn't read it because I've seen the superheroes as zombies thing before. But as time went on, it occurred to me that or people talked about it and said one, it was really well done. Two, it's actually not really zombies. So we've talked about this on the show before. There is the the Kirby universe that came about when Jack Kirby went from Marvel to DC. And that's where like um, dark side came in and Desaad and some of those characters, the new gods. And one of the main storylines was that dark side had the anti-life equation, which was a math equation that was so potent that it could kill everybody. They never actually really, and as far as I know, they never explained it. And mm-hmm. I always thought it was really stupid. I was like, I, I, Liked the design of that that world, which we talked about when we talked about um, Thor Ragnarok, because mm-hmm. it was kind of the same design. But other than that, I thought the characters were stupid, and I didn't really like too much of them. So that's the other reason I didn't really read this at first. But what's cool about this is they basically start off with a big battle on Earth, superheroes win, and they're like, wait a second, where's Cyborg? So it turns out the whole battle on Earth was to grab Cyborg because they could use his like techno-organic thing to unlock this equation. Uh, Desaad, who's that like that toady minion, like creepy-looking dude that hangs out with Darkseid, he this is like the first like three pages. He uses Cyborg to unlock this equation. It, it turns out that there's a huge problem, and the this equation immediately kills uh, Darkseid. And blows up the entire planet of Apocalypse. Uh, and Cyborg gets shot back through this this portal that he got taken from. So, basically, uh, Cyborg gets rocketed back to Earth. And brings with it this, this virus that immediately infects every techno- technological thing. So, if you're looking at a phone... You're now a mindless zombie, and it's they're not. It's more mindless zombies, like in the, um, like in the church scene in Kingsman, than okay. actual zombie. So they're or like, more like twenty eight days later. Yeah, yeah, and they're like ripping their own faces off, but they're whatever. And actually, I'm not. They're not even mindless. They're basically they're they're anti life. They want to kill everything. So however they can do it, they will. They'll kill people with hands they'll if it's a pilot he'll crash the plane if it's as we find out later on if it's a character like the flash he realizes he can just go around infecting people at light speed um so and of course it's a superhero world the thing i really really liked about this is there was a lot of thought going into like how superhero powers would work like i said with the flash going around one of the first people that gets infected is Batman because he's sitting in front of that giant wall of computers checking out the crime in Gotham when it happens. And the computers are like saying like, you know, foreign 
equation found, you know, virus control, virus control. And like, it's, it's trying to shut it down because Batman's super smart, but eventually you see Batman again. And he's, this is very early. He's been infected and he realizes it. So he put, so to stop the progression of this thing, he puts himself in um, Mr. Freeze's suit to like stop the progression just long enough to basically tell Robin and uh, Nightwing to like, you're Batman now, like go and don't look at computers. And this is what you have to do before he dies. Um, you know, there's little things like that. There's some thoughts like you think, okay, well, Aquaman should be safe because there's, they're not using the same technology as everybody else under there. But what ends up happening is from all this death and destruction, the blood gets in the water, the Atlanteans breathe the water and pull and pull in the infection that way. So it's, you can get infected by blood, you get infected by technology. It's actually a really, really crazy cool story. Um, if you like story, it's not a real story. Like it's a, an alternate universe kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if there's, there's heroes that you like seeing get killed, if you want to, you know, if you want to see, uh, someone rip, uh, Luthor in half, I think that's who gets ripped in half. Someone does. Uh, you can check that out. So it's, it's interesting who ends up surviving. You know, they've got like poison Ivy is able to basically make just a giant wall of vines that protect her and keep her safe. Mm -hmm. So she's fine. Uh, uh, Green Lantern almost dies immediately. He's out camping, and you think, okay, he's fine, but he snuck off to like look at his phone, and he uh, ends up getting getting got. But it's a, it's really cool. And the other thing I want to talk about this for is look at this cover. It's a good cover. Like the book is a really good looking book. The nice like crazy Batman on the cover. Mm -hmm. It's got the whole like the foil stuff, and like even has like this cool little bloodline on the back, which I really like. Mm -hmm. So. I highly suggest this. It was on sale on Black Friday, which is why I got it. Uh, and it was like you know, a nice 20 buck gift. Now, is that is that the entire story or is that it is like that is the entire that is the entire story up until the point they realized that it made a shit ton of money and they wrote a second one. And the second one is what the villains are going to do afterwards. So this you this story can be the entire story. Gotcha. OK. And it has all the you can see some of the zombified heroes and whatnot mm -hmm. so now do you do you think that dc ever would look into making a movie out of these stories i don't think or that do you they would do make it work i actually think it kind of went the other way i if i remember correctly the writer of this is the one that wrote the story for that um, Mortal Kombat fighting game with the DC characters. Um, okay. Injustice. Yeah. So Injustice had its own story with like, you know, Superman killing a bunch of people or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think, and that became a comic that was basically, they let him run with whatever story it was, let heroes die and let that kind of stuff happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that because of that, they allowed this story to happen as well. So I don't think they would make a movie on it, but if they did, I would totally see it. They might be do a um, actually they've been doing a lot of really good things with the animated movies, mm -hmm. like the adult rated animated movies, and I could see this working really well for that. I honestly, I would be all over a a Blackest Night movie series, and I've said multiple times that I think that they could really, if they took the time to set it up 
that could be DC's Avengers. Mm-hmm. If, if they took the time, they introduced a bunch of the characters, and they took the time to set it up, the Blackest Night storyline could, without question, be their their Avengers movies. Yeah, they have to, um, one, have enough characters die, and or show respect for the characters that don't ever appear in the movie, but people look at them, you know, like the maybe a Superman's father or Batman's parents. Like, yeah, they kind of appear in the movie, but they've been dead most of the time the current times mm-hmm. but seeing them come back as black as night black as night is a is a story for the non-comics fans out there it was kind of the, the the green lantern ring has other colors that are compatriots there's the you know, orange ring and red ring and all that stuff and there's a black ring that basically revives the dead as killing machine zombies that are hard to destroy kind of thing mm-hmm. which of course forced the heroes to fight their former compatriots and it's it's a giant team up with several of the several of the lantern cores as well as earth's still surviving heroes yeah and it was and it was very well written it had a bunch of different like threads into other comics and it was good so yeah i think it's possible that story that would be amazing it'd be a surprise but it would take a, it would take a little while, but they got to do something. Yeah, well, I I mean, and and I, I think I put this in the Discord chat that I, I I would I would almost cream myself if if they were to like do introduce a couple more of the DC characters, prop probably reintroduce properly Green Lantern, give him a couple of movies, um, give Batman a couple of movies, do one or two Superman movies. You probably have to do Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman, all of that, mm-hmm. but. At the end of not the next Justice League movie, but the the third Justice League movie, do a do a third Justice League movie, and at the end of that movie, have a couple of the characters die, like Batman, have Batman die, and in a post credit scene, I you 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 read the description I gave, right? In a post credit scene, you're you're looking at Bruce Wayne or Batman's gravesite. And you've got all the people there, and you've got the you've got the time lapse video of the people slowly walking away, and you leave you leave Robin and Bat the, the Bat family basically, Alfred. You leave them standing at the grave the longest, and then they don't leave the gravesite until it's night, and the tombstone is lit by the moon up above, and then you hear this ominous voiceover that says, "Bruce Wayne, arise," and then you see the the light that you thought was the moon, but it was really the, the hovering black ring above the grave just dive down into the dirt and hand pops up out of the grave. Oh my God. There you go. Rob's going to lose a lot of money on that idea when someone else takes it. I just described the, the start of the Blackest Night series. Yeah. Come on. Okay, Make so here happen. we go. We, we got to do a couple more things before we close out here. Let's do it. First of all, you just mentioned the Discord chat. I did. The people that are in that Discord chat that get to steal all of Rob's ideas before all the listeners, they are Patreon patrons. I did it again. They have subscribed to our Patreon. Give me five podcast.patreon.com. First of all, thank you to all of those of you that have subscribed to it. For just $5, you get to support the show. And you get a chance to know what movie we're reviewing way beforehand so you can determine whether or not to watch it. And you get early access to our top five list when we have the opportunity to do so. And this week it's weird because our top five list is going to be right now. 
because our top five list oh, is sure. not doing it right now. Yeah, because it's referenced to something we talked about earlier. That's why I'm, that's why I mentioned it. I was shocked, appalled, and a single tear rolled down my cheek when I realized I spent money on something that got destroyed on TV. The but Razor now you're Crest glad you did because it's going to go up in price. Yeah, maybe. So the Razor Crest got blown up. Spoiler again. Blown so to so it reminded me of of in the past watching TV shows and movies and stuff and seeing that that hero vehicle, whether it be a car or a boat or whatever, getting blown up. So the question that I posed, as I scroll down to the exact wording, uh, let's see. Top five most heartbreaking vehicle destructions in film or TV. I could say video games, maybe books. That's what we came up with. Now, I'm going to actually, let's start off with the listener. Ooh. So we got the listener list in. It is a little bit early. So going to see if I can actually play this and make it loud enough for you all to hear. Here we go. This is from one of our patrons, Alec. Hey, Jimmy Five Podcast. This is Alec with my top five star vehicles that kind of break your heart when you're destroyed in movies. Um, number five, I wanted to put uh, a tie between the Titanic and the Andrea Gale from The Perfect Storm. I feel like uh, kind of hard not to mention those since they were, they were the main part of their movies. Uh, number four, I wanted to do another tie with the, uh, the bus from Speed and the plane from Con Air. I... I don't know why, but I thought that plane was really cool. At number three, I wanted to do the uh, Batmobile from the Dark Knight, the Tumbler. I know that it, it kind of transformed into a motorcycle, but it was it was kind of cooler the way it was. I thought. Uh, number two is the and from the Road Warrior. It's the V8 Pursuit Special of Mad Max's car. I always thought that was kind of sad. They also killed a dog, which is really sad. And then uh, number one <laughs> for me, the DeLorean and the Back to the Future Part Three. Uh, it's kind of hard to see that you know get hit by the train. Yeah, it's, that one definitely broke my heart. So those are the top five. Um, if I was going to put a bonus one on there just to screw with everybody, I would say the Orca from Jaws just for really... Uh, Knew that was coming. Consistent. All right, hope you like it. Thanks. Knew Bye. that there was a Jaws reference coming. Thank you, Alec. Uh, you mentioned me being a child of the 80s. He had he had something from Con Air and from Speed. Very 80s, or very 90s, rather. Uh, so I like that one. Uh, do you want to go next, or shall I go next? I'll let you go next. Okay. You had a whole bunch of them. I did not quite have that many. I do, and there were a couple. Actually, he had uh, Titanic as well, which is also very 90s. Uh, so this at first I was like, man, I'm having a hard time finding stuff. And then as I started thinking about it more, it was a little bit easier. Uh, the one that, that got bumped to honorable mention is going to be the Helicarriers from Winter Soldiers because those are so cool. But at the same time, at the time, they were being controlled by the villain, so I was okay with them going down. Because, you know, Captain America is greater than Hydra, so I'm okay with that. My number five is the Austin Martin. Anytime the Austin Martin in any James movie, James Bond movie got blown up, but particularly in Skyfall, because it was just... I think they hit, they hit it with some slow motion. So it had that... Oh. My number four is going to be the Enterprise... In Star Trek Nemesis. Now, we have talked that you mentioned this before, that there have been a lot of Enterprises that went away. Mm -hmm. 
I did not know that. It's been destroyed a lot. Yeah, see, but I did not know that. So when I saw that thing get destroyed, for me, that was the first time. And I was like, oh, damn, that's pretty iconic. And my thought was, I don't believe they're allowing this director to do that because I'm dumb and was not a Star Trek fan. Number three, the Ferrari from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The 1961 Ferrari 250 GT, California. Through the window into the woods. I don't and that know. that was a <gasps> moment. Yeah. I mean, it was already kicked. Like, it's funny because I watched that scene again today. And you see him kicking it and kicking and kicking. You're like, oh, God. Oh, oh, look. Oh, it's dented now. Oh, and the front is broken. Oh, my God. And then, of course, you, you know what's going to happen because you see the, the, the thing, like, rocking back and forth. And you're like, yeah. And that one, when it uh, went, it was like, oh. And it was also partially the whole, like, parent thing, too. Because, you know, like, uh, his parents are going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was number three. Number two, there was a bunch of different versions of Kit from Knight Rider that got destroyed. Uh, one of the one I remember the most was they against a, another car, like a big, uh, like a armored truck thing with a battering ram on it. And I remember it smashing into him and like the, the battering ram went through the window and like just it hit getting destroyed basically. And that shocked me as a kid. Cause I was like, what it was like season three or something, mm-hmm. but the bigger, the more, the bigger one was when Kit was dumped in acid and it was screaming for help. And Michael Knight like runs up to the edge and he like kind of le- leans, like he was going to go into it in the acid and the voice is like getting all crackly. And he's like, no, I can't, I can't get to you Kit. And the voice ends. So Kit getting dumped in acid and dying would be that number one. I literally cried when this happened. I was not old, but I remember this. Miami Vice, when Crockett's spider gets blown up by the weapons people. I don't know if you saw this, but he's they go on a, thi- a thing to buy weapons, and they're basically like, how do I know that the weapons work? And the, the illegal weapons dealers take a rocket launcher and blow up the... Uh, Ferrari, it's a Ferrari 365 GTB Daytona Spider, the black one. They blow it up with a rocket and then they show Crockett's face up close as his glasses are pulled down and he's like, Ugh! and uh, that actually made me sad. And then the next episode, they revealed the Ferrari Testarossa and I was like, shit, yeah. So <laughs> my advice is my number one. Probably the reason for this question. The, the, the death of the car had a theme song. Just saying. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Solid list. I, I'm i surprised it didn't make it. One of them didn't make it onto your list, though. Uh-oh. What is that? The, well, the one that originated the question. The, the, uh, the, the, the Mandalorian ship? Yeah, the Razor Crest. It happened so recently. It's, it's a raw wound. I can't even talk about it. It's like, mm. I, I'm not ready to pull that Band-Aid off. It's it's on my list. Okay. Well, you should pull that bandaid off. I I will. But my my list is going to start out with at number 5, I'm going to do the Impala. The Impala from... from Supernatural. Oh, it died. I didn't know that. And, well, the reason it's at number 5 and not higher was because they killed the Impala at the end of season 1. Okay. Had they given it a couple more seasons to become a little bit more iconic, it probably would have had a much bigger impact. But also going back and watching it now, you're like, 
oh god dean's car no you know <laughs> that kind of thing gotcha but because it happened so early in its run it, it it bumped it down a little bit on the list gotcha good one though at at number four at number four it's not quite that iconic but it made the list because of cinematography, I guess. Because of the way it was presented. And that's going to be the Radis. Oh, okay. I, yep, that, that one? yep, that's the, the Radis. That's R-A-D-D-U-S. That is the, the ship named after Admiral Radis, who that was uh, launched into a uh, first order uh, gunship or super destroyer or whatever they want to call it. Super destroyer or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. But it was piloted by, um, God, I can't remember her name now. Uh, pink hair lady. Yeah. General, what's her face? Yes. Uh, Holdo. Yeah. Admiral Holdo. Admiral, Admiral there, you Holdo. there you go. Um, General, what's her face? It was piloted by Admiral Holdo, and just the way that that scene—and I'm not going to say filmed because it was in space—the way that that scene was created was perfect. They with with the whole spike, the slice down the center of the of the Super Star Destroyer, the the absolute silence that you had because you're looking at it from in space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In space, with, no one can hear you crash a Star Destroyer. That's right. That's right. But it, it was just such a beautiful and impactful scene that mm-hmm. I had to include it on the list. Strong. At, at number three, I'm going to include the USS Defiant. The Defiant was killed, pro- I think it was like two or three episodes before the show ended. So they killed off the Defiant like right before the show stop its run but then they kind of cheapened it by giving them a new one the next episode so which which show deep space nine oh, okay the the little ship that could it gotcha. uh it was it was a very impactful ship it it did all kinds of things it 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 punched way above its weight class and it was just a scrappy little ship that just that just kept going, and then when it finally bit the dust, it was like, no, no, what are they gonna do now? They don't have their ship, so they got to go back to using stupid runabouts. What? So the Defiant is gonna be my number three. My number two is gonna be the Delorean. The the crash in Back to the Future 3, you didn't think it would happen, but when you saw the train coming, you knew it was inevitable, and it still hurt when you saw the thing just bashed into little bitty bits. But my number one, love that shit, man, a Razor Crest. Number one, wow. I had I had a little tear. Wow. I was like, <gasps> there was a gasp and everything. I was like, no! No! <laughs> As no, the, his ship. As the blasts come down from space. You dick! <laughs> I was so mad. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, that's my number one. And then that guy went and put Baby Yoda in shackles. You saw that meme on our Discord, right? Yeah. yeah. 
we we have baby shackles are we the bad guy wait are we the bad guys (laughs) did moff gideon just tell me to put this baby in shackles do we even have baby shackles (laughs) nice okay let's close out here we're going long so uh i guess uh let's see if you want to contact us to tell us that we went long Feel free to look at gimme5podcast.com to find out all of our contact information. I'll just do this real quick. Uh, you can email us at gimme5podcast at gmail.com. And you can check out gimme5podcast.threadless.com to buy lovely Christmas and or Hanukkah presents for all the people that you love that have our logo as well as other fun things on it. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're still there. At give me five pod. And in fact, Greg posted a whole bunch of stuff for this week's movie. I did. I was uh, bored while watching this week's movie. (laughs) So I grabbed a bunch of photos of said movie. Well, guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Good afternoon. And ho, ho, ho.